Welcome to Sport Faith Life with Brian Bolt and Chad Carlson, two guys who came together for one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. They are sports scholars, they're coaches, and they're competitive athletes, or at least they were. And together, they've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. Today on Sport Faith Life, we welcome Dr. Paul Putz. Paul is the son of a pastor, a college basketball player, a Ph.D. historian, and now the assistant director of the Faith and Sports Institute at Truett Seminary and Baylor University. His research and writing has been featured at Christianity Today, Slate, National Public Radio, Religion News Service, and many more places. Paul is a deep thinker and a trusted communicator in the world of sport and faith, and he's a friend. So we're really excited to speak with him today. Let's get started. We are so excited to have Paul Putz here with us today. Paul, can you tell us a little bit about sport in your life? Yeah, I I am a basketball player who wishes he was still a basketball player. You can probably relate to that, Chad. I know. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, The glory days, we keep reliving them. So growing up, that was my my sport of choice. Grew up in Nebraska, played basketball, played some small college basketball, and still try to get out there when I can. And so that was just been a way I saw myself. Um, Always wanted to be an athlete, enjoyed being competitive. And that's shaped who I am today. I'm also a fan of the Nebraska Cornhuskers and the Baylor Bears and the Boston Celtics and the Atlanta Braves. I kind of have a hodgepodge of teams that I follow, but I'm a, a fan as well as trying to be a basketball player when I can. Uh, you're in good company here. That's great. Hey, tell us a little bit about faith in your life. Son of a pastor. So I've got the faith element going to my dad was a full-time UPS truck driver and also felt called to start a church. I work at a seminary now, but he did not have seminary training when he started his church. And uh, so I grew up in that in that context where dad's the pastor, you're the pastor's kid. But you know, fortunately for me, I had a, a good experience. I know sometimes there's examples where you get inside and you see the, the politics of a church setting, and that can be hard on the pastor's kid. For me, I saw my parents who gave each other a lot of grace, who gave their kids grace, And I also saw my dad witness what it looks like to learn and grow and even change your opinion on things. So I I had a healthy sense of faith, I think, and growth as I was growing up. And to combine the sports and faith piece, I also was part of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I had my basketball coach, who also happened to be the FCA mentor, someone I'm still good friends with today. His name is Joel Heiser. And that helped me for the first time in high school try to think through what does it mean to to be a christian to be an athlete are there ways those two things can intersect yeah paul thanks for being with us i mean kind of interesting that i i used to think that pastors kids could uh run around the church on the days that we didn't have church you know so they had great access but you also had access to a ups truck i mean those things don't mix very often. That's pretty exciting. Tell us something about yourself that um, already you've already given us some unusual things. Tell us something about yourself that our listeners wouldn't know, something, maybe a hobby or something like that. You know, my hobbies are reading and and playing basketball. Now they're watching a puppy because we just got a puppy over Christmas break with my family, got three kids, uh, wife Bethany. So a lot of my times with my family. But something strange. Here, here you go. I again grew up in small town Nebraska. 
my first job was at a radio station that played country music. And so I'm a 16 year old high school kid, part time DJing and introducing Garth Brooks and Tim McGraw and whatever else was popular, you know, back in the, the 1990s and, and early 2000s. So part time country music DJ. That was my entry into the work world. <laughs> yeah, that's you know I I can hear it in your voice. I mean, you've got a little bit of that those dulcet tones. You're uh, you're about to go go ahead and break into song. That'd be fantastic. So wide open format here on Sport Faith Life. Uh, if you feel the need, just go ahead and uh, sing something for us. Uh, you know, we're really excited to have you. Uh, you are heavily involved in this whole thing, this whole uh, enterprise that we might call sport and faith or sport and Christianity. Um, you said that you work for a seminary. Can you give us just a little bit of a path of how you ended up where you are and then describe a little bit of the work that you do day to day? Yeah. So I started out high school teacher was the beginning point, uh, thinking I'd be a coach. I knew I wanted to be in education, wanted to be around sports. And in the process of that, I ended up really falling in love with history. So I was going to be the stereotypical social studies teacher who's also the coach and ended up wanting to become a professor after that. So I pursued a graduate program in history, ended up enrolling in Baylor's PhD program. But I I never lost sight of the way that sports had formed me growing up. I knew that like when I'm in high school, love my English teacher, my journalism teacher, shout out to Linda Crandall. Hmm. But like the the people who really formed me most, they were my coaches. They were the the people who I was trying to figure out, like, what does it mean to, to learn and grow and um, even to learn a playbook? I mean, all these, the, the, these intellectual and formative aspects of sports became intriguing to me after the fact, as I became a teacher myself. And I wanted to study that historically. I felt that uh, historians, and Chad can speak to this as well, historians often don't tend to take sport seriously as like a side of serious intellectual inquiry. It's seen as sort of a pastime or a hobby, like you want to talk about the glory days of your favorite team. And I really thought there's something missing there. If we don't have more scholars, more historians trying to figure out how sports is an entryway into these larger conversations about, in my case, about religion and about American Christianity. So I spent five years in a PhD program at Baylor trying to to put those pieces together, studying the history of sports and Christianity in the modern United States, which was really studying my own past, how a kid like me encounters the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and has that become a formative element of my life. My, my dissertation kind of told me how all that came together, how all that happened. And, uh, and then after that, I was a college professor at Messiah for a year and ended up in 2019 moving back to Baylor to help help grow this Faith and Sports Institute. It's a center where we do theological education and practical training and research, all focused on the intersection of sports and Christianity. So the work that you're doing, Paul, is really interesting. You've got these administrative responsibilities with this, the, the FSI, certainly things going there, growth opportunities, which is great. You're also staying connected to, uh, to, to research that you're doing. Tell us a little bit about the research that you continue to do, even in the midst of the work with the FSI. Yeah, it's really uh, foundational to or building off of the dissertation stuff. When I started doing the dissertation research on sports and Christianity in American history, that really, there's so many uh, 
topics to explore that you could spend a lifetime digging into. And so that's given me a source space and a set of questions to think about that I continue to do now. You know, you mentioned there is there's elements of administration and leading a program. That's the bulk of what I do. But then I also do have the opportunity to to try to speak into issues in public and to bring my training to bear. I know different scholars are trained in different disciplines. And so we approach a question or a topic from a different perspective. As a historian, I'm often trying to think about what history might have to say about the present. So how did we get here? What can we learn about the past? And it's, you know, in some ways it's a little different what I, what I do now than what I was um, thinking I would do in grad school. When you're in a history department in grad school, you learn historiography, which is really a conversation historians are having with each other about how to interpret the past. And then now that I'm at a seminary, the students who are taking classes with me, they're not trying to become a historian. So they're more interested in what does history have to say to make me a better Christian? What does history have to say to help me minister more faithfully? So I have found that I'm able to take my historical training and still do my research speaking to other historians. But then when I'm in the classroom, I have to do this added step of, okay, now what is helpful for us as seminary students when we think about what it means to follow God, to love others in the world? You know, Paul, when uh, I say this, this will probably offend just about everybody, but I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to go with it because it's always helped me. I asked a, a really learned gentleman at one point, um, like, what's the difference between a biblical historian and a theologian? And he summed it up. He just said, well, a biblical historian uh, thinks primarily about what was and a theologian thinks about what is. And it just strikes me that you're kind of living in both worlds. You're thinking about what was and what is at the same time. And one of those things that was, uh, particularly connected to the United States and sport and uh, Christianity in, in many places, is the, co- the uh, college campus, right? So this has happened in a number of places across the country. But you're, you're in a place right now that is a very public, uh, well-known sports powerhouse. Uh, You're at Baylor University, and Baylor University engages in sport and attempts to engage in sport at the very top levels. Uh, A lot of us, uh, both Chad and I, work at a university, and, you know, we have our niche for those sorts of things, but we're, we're not as visible. Tell me a little bit about what it's like to work in and among uh, an athletic program that is so high profile, um, but also a university that is also as high profile uh, for its Christianity as it is for its sport? Mm, that's a great question. I know I would add to that point about, you know, theologians seeing the world as it is. I think they also try to say what ought to be, right? Hmm. So what what's the what, what, what are the, the truth claims we should be living into? What are we doing wrong that we should be doing right? And, and that is a, that is a distinction. I wasn't trained as a historian to necessarily say, oh, this is how we should do things. It was more about, well, this is how things have been done that might help us explain why we're here. You know, at at Baylor is in in terms of its Christian mission and identity and the centrality of sports to that, that's unapologetically, you know, front and center. This is part of the pillars of Baylor. If you look at their mission and vision statement, they have athletics as one of their four pillars. 
We talk about being a distinctly Christian university, unambiguously Christian is the language that we have. Even our president embodies this, right? She was a division one athlete, played at Oklahoma State, Linda Livingstone. Um, and so Baylor really does lean into both of those identities you asked about earlier on, Christian and, and, and athlete, and tries to add in that, or not add in, but bring those within the mission of the educational institution. I think the challenge that a Baylor faces in any Christian institution will face this probably to different degrees and different levels is the power of sports in our culture often means that it is the driving force of what everyone else decides to do. Whether it's the church, whether it's the sports ministry, whether it's the Christian college or the Christian high school, we often let sports lead the way. And, and we think about, well, what is going to help us win? What is going to help us be successful on the field or on the court? And then let's try to add in some God language after the fact to kind of fill in the gaps and to make sure that we sort of stamp the Christian label on it. And that's a challenge that any Christian in sports faces. And when you add in the dynamics of the amount of money, you know, that big time sports programs have, then, you know, it just I think it heightens the stakes and maybe heightens the intensity of that, that scrutiny. And certainly I think, you know, Baylor or a place like Liberty, um, you know, there's there are those those tensions that are always going to be present. I think the other danger is that it's often much easier to try to create an image of you know Christian identity than to actually live it out. And the living it out part is hard and messy, and it doesn't look like whatever promotional things that we're going to put out about you know what 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 life is like, and hey, we're this Christian university, and we're full of joy and love and peace. And we try to be those things, but man, we're human beings who are failed and broken and in need of God's grace. And so the reality of life on the ground for athletes who are at a Baylor or any Christian university, it's going to be full of tension and complexity and ambiguity. And, it, you know, that's that's just part of real life work. So what, what I'm encouraged by when I think about what I see on the ground is that there are people, uh, leaders within Baylor Athletics who are doing their best to wrestle with those tensions and to try to actually live out sort of the image that we project to the public. And that's really hard to do. I mean, I, I wrestle with this too, even what we do with the Faith and Sports Institute. We're occasionally going to have advertisements and, and promote, you know, our programs and what we do and this and that. And at the end of the day, what we really have to be thinking about is, are we actually forming people in deep and lasting ways or are we just trying to get numbers that we can tell people about, have success that we can point people to? Um, so, you know, it, a roundabout way, I guess, is saying Baylor wrestles with with tensions at, a, at a, maybe a higher level than some places. But I think the tensions that all of us face and you consider some of the scandals that have happened in the past at Baylor um, as well. And, and whether it's with basketball or with football. And I think we're in a much better place. I think we're in a much healthier place. There have been a lot of good decisions that have been made, um, at least in the time that I've been here. But man, we should not we should not lose sight of the ways things can go wrong quickly. We should remember that and always have some humility as we're trying to live into the responsibility we have when we claim the name of Christ. I was wondering, Paul, if you were going to refer to some of those scandals. Those are pretty high profile, right? So the difference between what Baylor University is dealing with and what Calvin and Hope 
are dealing with this sometimes just a matter of degree right so so Baylor had this this tragedy occur within the men's basketball program 20 years ago and then uh, a real uh, sort of a uh, tragic situation within the football program in terms of oversight and leadership related to student athlete well-being and, and student well-being in, in general. Um, Baylor's moved past those things or is continuing to work to move past those things. Again, it's a difference by 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 degree from what Hope College and Calvin University and its athletes uh, deal with, right? So I think one time a, a Calvin student, their, their big tragedy was a Calvin student got caught social dancing. And, you know, you just <laughs> you just can't can't do that at Calvin University, uh, right, right well, Brian? That's the... That's like the number one sin. Was the sin, sin the, the actual quality of the dance or the fact that they were dancing? <laughs> yeah. well, well said. Well said. But Paul, I'm thinking about the ways in which Baylor is, like like you said, you know, it, it, it falls in the middle of this junction between being unambiguously Christian, being excellent academically, and being excellent athletically, right? So there's, there's a space there that very few, I, I mean, you mentioned Liberty. I can't think of other schools that really fill that space like you guys do. And then I want to offer a, a corollary to what I, what I see as being sort of maybe your role, at least from the outside looking in, and that is sort of the, this, this public voice related to the intersection of sport and faith, right? I'm thinking about, you know, we can ask about the academic work that you're doing. And we asked a little bit about that and we'll maybe get into more of that later on. But there's also a space that you've kind of created on behalf of the Faith and Sports Institute and the seminary more larger and and the university even larger where your presence on social media, your your presence related to traditional media, uh, you know, when there are issues of sport and faith, people come calling to Paul Putz. And that's a really exciting thing for you. And it feels like you're filling, you know, a, um, a niche that, that, is in respect of so many other entities, right? It's it's a voice that you're probably uncomfortable saying is is on behalf of all these groups, but it's a voice that you've created for yourself. And I wonder I wonder if you can speak to that to that role that has generated over Man, time. Y'all are asking some good questions here. I think I used the word tension earlier, right? And and honestly, um, look, I'm a young guy compared to you both, right? So don't want to put y'all on blast. Ouch! Here. Shots Bring fired! It. Shots fine. fired! Yeah. But, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Okay. As I get older, <laughs> nap time. You know, you realize t- just the 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 complexity and living in the tension of things that maybe aren't perfect, um, aren't as they should be, um, but this the messy reality of what we have to to live in. And and I'm I'm more and more aware of that when I think about you know kind of having a public voice. You mentioned this. There's part of that where I wrestle with the performance identity piece I did as an athlete. You know. I'm a young scholar. I haven't published a book yet, and I have done some research, but I'm I'm also aware that there's a lot I have to learn still. There's a lot I need to grow into. I have a certain level of expertise, but then there's other people that know stuff a lot more than me. So, you know, I, I think there's there's wrestling with that element of wanting to be the person who has the thing to say, wanting to get some attention on one hand. But then also really in my best moments saying, no, I, I, I want to serve others. I want I want whatever information and knowledge that, that I might have to actually be helpful to people, to help them frame questions maybe in new ways or to give them a sense of how history can help us understand the present, to help us see how we're reliant on people who have come before us. And in my best moments, I think I can I, I feel like I'm able to steward responsibly this platform and the resources Baylor has in a way that I hope is helpful to people. But I'm also aware that there's elements too where I'm trying to prop up my own name and get out there and you know that, that sort of thing. And so I, I always want to kind of be reflective of 
my motives um, with that. But at the end of the day, it's not because of my name that I get asked to do things. It's because I'm a part of Baylor University and the Faith and Sports Institute. And so that also is a reminder, I think, of the power of institutions and networks and communities that any one voice, pretty minuscule, right in the grand scheme of things, but it's about the spaces we create with and for each other that can allow us to speak into issues and even to accomplish change that we might want to accomplish. So, you know, when I'm when I'm wearing my academic hat and I'm sort of alone researching and writing, you know, that's that's one part of what I do when I'm trying to translate some of that publicly, then I'm often trying to think through how am I true to what I found, what I believe to be true about this research, but also am I am, am I able to speak in a way that invites people into a conversation that is more about building a coalition or a community um, rather than maybe trying to put up boundaries for who's in and who's out. So I am mindful of, of my institutional space, wanting to steward it well. No, I'm not perfect with that. Definitely growing there. But I, I, I think, uh, shoot, like I said, when you study history and you think about how many people have come before us, the institutions they built, the blood, sweat, and tears they put in to create things that are even lasting today. And then people like us get to come alongside and carry that torch and move it forward. I think that's what I try to be about. And even what you, you've you created, you know, both of you came before me and entered into this sports and Christianity conversation. You've built this great podcast and you have, you know, the, the Global Congress on Sport and Christianity that you put together. I mean, to me, that's inspiring because that's what we should be about. It's not just that, hey, Chad Carlson published this book or Brian published this book. It's yes, you're contributing to those things, but then you're inviting people into this podcast where you actually galvanize and catalyze the conversation. And at its best, I think that's what Christian scholars can do and can bring to the world of sports. Um, so really what I'm trying to say, is I'm just trying to follow what y'all are doing. I'm just trying to follow in Chad and Brian's footsteps with this. Wow. Such a good answer, especially the wow, last part, I right? Wow, I tell you, this kid, well, he, he had to come a long way back from that age. Uh, I know, right? Know. I had to circle back, yeah. He scrambled, he's, he scrambled pretty well toward the end there, and we're going to give him some credit. And actually, I mean, I do really uh, – I love the work that you do, Paul, and I love the – um, the humility and the spirit in which you're offering it. I think it's um, in many ways what you're trying to do is what we're trying to do, which is open up a conversation that uh, maybe happens in smaller silos. And we were trying to bring uh, some of those silos into sort of webs between people, between athletes and coaches and sports ministry people and academics and folks that – like you said, sometimes you're we're speaking to each other uh, in small groups instead of speaking in a in a much more connected sort of way. And I think there's good uh, fruit that comes from those conversations. So I really appreciate the work that you've done along those lines. And I you talked a little bit about other than Chad and me. Uh, you talked a little bit about like uh, following and footsteps and and what I'm as a you're a really good scholar and I I want to know like. What are you reading these days? Uh, maybe not in the world of sport in particular or sport and Christianity that helps you sort of frame where we're going next. Um, give us some sense of, of folks that you think are doing good work that might speak into this sport and Christianity conversation. So 
uh, are you you're asking for people not kind of in the 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 sports space? Is that right? Um, so kind of voices beyond that. Yeah, I think um, it'd be fine to include as well people in that sport and Christianity space. But sometimes we pull from people. We had uh, Miroslav Volf at our last uh, conference, and uh, he hadn't spent a lot of time working on sport until he came to our conference. And and he really engaged himself and uh, gave us uh, an authentic presentation from where he was coming from. So uh, sometimes we pull from areas that uh, aren't thinking about sport to try to inform uh, some of the work that we're doing. Thanks for clarifying that. And I I totally agree with how helpful it is to step outside of sports. I I think sometimes we can get so caught up in uh, studying sport without a, f- a bigger frame of the world in which it exists. And I think we, we don't really fully understand sport unless we can step back and put it in context. So oftentimes what I like to do actually with some of the speakers we have with the Faith and Sports Institute, I like to invite someone who doesn't study sports and ask them to talk about sports within the frame of their other work. Um, so, so we had, uh, there's an author, Caitlin Beatty, uh, wrote a book called Celebrities for Jesus. And I talked with her about how sports culture might fit in with that. You know, her book was a warning about the way that the church and especially the evangelical Christians in the United States have uh, really taken their cues for how we should live and how we should be in the world from influential, charismatic, personable pastors who have brands and big names and big followings instead of what we see in the Gospels and in the New Testament, you know, the fruits of the Spirit, the things that God actually tells us, Jesus tells us, these are the things I look for in my followers. But we often turn to some other metric and measure of success. And so I think, you know, her book and that broader conversation about the dangers of celebrity influence is so important when we think about sports culture, because sports are so popular. And by no choice of their own necessarily for an athlete, like they're not entering into sports because they want to be a celebrity. I mean, maybe some do, but mostly it's because they start playing a sport young and they love it and they're really good at it. And one thing leads to another. And now everyone wants to know what they think about, about any issue. And there's a, there's a danger in that. Uh, I think other one, Christina Edmondson, uh, she's another great thinker. She talks a lot and writes a lot about uh, race and Christian faithfulness and Christian leadership. I've learned a great deal from her. Um, thinking through those issues and even connecting those to a sports context. Uh, you reformed folk. I think he's at, at Calvin, uh, James K. Smith, Jamie Smith, right? He has this book called How to Inhabit Time I've been reading recently, which gets at these ideas of our situatedness in history. I mean, I'm sure some of the things I said earlier in this podcast were like drawn from uh, reflections from reading this book, but it gets at this idea of stewarding our place in time, not lamenting that this is the point in which we were dropped, but instead um, thinking through what what might God, what work might God have me to do in this particular moment? I think if, if Christians in sports um, or if anyone in sports were to think through the connections we have with people from the past and people who will come in the future, I think it does give us a healthy perspective so that we can chart a better course. And it gets us beyond ourselves. I mean, anything that gets us beyond ourselves, I think, is usually healthy and good. Brings me back to the first 
book I ever read in, in grad school. It was assigned to me. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was called uh, Beyond a Boundary by C.L.R. James, who was a, a Trinidadian guy, but a, a Caribbean uh, liberation agent. And um, the preface of his book and his books about his own time, reflecting on his own life, especially with cricket at the forefront of it. He said, what do they know of cricket who only cricket know? And I hear you saying something similar, right? What do they know of sport who only sport know? And it's the idea that when when all we know is that sort of self-contained sport, we really don't even know sport that well. So really helpful to to hear from voices outside of the world of sport and their thoughts related to sport that helps us grow and how we understand things. Paul, you've got a book coming out in the hopefully not too distant future too. Can you share hopefully, with us a little bit of, we'll get about this thing that? Out. I feel like I've said this for a few years now. But it really does feel like next year is the year uh, we'll be getting it out. It's <laughs> a, a title right now is The Spirit of the Game, Christian Athletes, Big Time Sports, and the Transformation of American Protestantism. It rolls right off the tongue. But the, the gist of it is it's, it's looking at 100 years of history of how Christians have engaged with sports in the United States. And really the history of how we created this Christian subculture in sports. I think one of the most fascinating things about sports is you have this supposedly secular space, secular in the sense that, um, you know, it exists in the public. It's not it is not a distinctly Christian space. Um, it's not deemed religious. Right. It's it's free to all. It's open. This is part of what what you know, the sports mythology and, and values would have us believe. So you have this this secular sphere of sports. And I don't think there is any other sphere in American life other than sports in which you have a greater critical mass of Christians now than, uh, you know, you did 50 years ago or 100 years ago. You know, you you think about all these other areas of society and influence and culture, whether it's entertainment and Hollywood, music, movies, uh, education, you go on down the line. And generally the trend or the story there is, is that you're seeing fewer people who have, you know, real robust faith commitments. Sport is the exact opposite. If you compare to 100 years ago, elite big time sports, you have more people today, more Christians who talk about their faith, who bring their faith into the conversations about what they're doing and experiencing. You have a more organized community of Christians in the chaplaincy networks and the sports ministry networks within the major sports. You, it, it's, it, is, it is a story that, that goes against the trend of most other things we see in American society. And so my book really just tries to get at how that happened, and then also some of the the cultural ideas and the theologies that are a part of these Christian networks that have been created in sports, including those networks, right, that I have been a part of, that I, that, that, you know, like the Fellowship of Christian Athletes that have been so meaningful in my own life. That was the difficult thing in writing this book is on the one hand, I approach it from an area of deep empathy because I had a great experience as part of FCA. But on the other hand, as a scholar, I have to step back and I have to think through from a bigger lens, how might other people who aren't an evangelical Christian like myself, how would they have experienced and understood the rise of this Christian subculture in sports? So what I've tried to do with the book is is tell a story that explains how we got here, tried to give a sense of perspective, um, tried to give a sense of even how sports helps us understand the landscape of American religion more broadly. And and then also something that, well, scholars, you know, hopefully will read it. I'd also hope it's a book that people who aren't necessarily a historian can pick up and enjoy and and at least have some more questions that they ponder because of it. 
Well, Paul, that's a that's a great teaser for that book. We can't wait for it to come out in ten to twelve years when that when that comes. Uh, that gives you enough that gives you enough time to work on the title. Got to hone um, that thing a little bit. For every, um, got to get it nailed down a little bit. Um, I think it's really exciting, and we really do appreciate that you're doing that kind of work because I think a lot of people are going to pick that up. And and like you said. Every time we, we, if we're a lover of sport uh, and we're a lover of Jesus, we have that tension that you just talked about that um, we can recognize the value of something, but also the, the draw of it and how it can uh, become uh, an idol in a space where, uh, where we let it. So uh, we, we do want to thank you for that. You're also at uh, Baylor University going to be hosting the next Global Congress on Sport and Christianity. That's a long way off, 2025. Uh, I want to give you just a chance to maybe talk a little bit about that and then maybe talk a little bit more about what's more uh, contemporary in terms of the work that you're doing uh, at, at We're excited uh, about the, the Global Congress. Yeah, and it's coming up faster than we think. It's two years away, you know, two, two and, uh, and a half years away. So that'll be mm. coming up fast. This is, for those who are listeners of this podcast like I am, you know that you know uh, one of the, really the foundation of this podcast was the Global Congress on Sport and Christianity. And both of you wanted to keep those conversations going, uh, this unique space where academics and practitioners can gather together to learn about the intersection of sports and Christianity. It is ecumenical, it's diverse in terms of religious perspective, but the idea is to help understand this, this intersection more effectively. And in 2025, we will be hosting that at Baylor. I know I, we have a phone call, I think later this week, where we're gonna be making some plans on this. So that's exciting. And we're really excited to continue the, the mission vision and collaborate and partner with you in, in, in doing that. You know, in terms of some of the stuff right now with the Faith and Sports Institute, we have a graduate program um, where students interested in sports ministry or Christian sports leadership can enroll in either online degree programs or we have some, some residential degree programs too. And then we have different forms of education, a continuing education program, which has classes developed on different themes related to sports culture, like mental health or race or uh, sports leadership, that sort of thing. And then we have a, a retreat for high school athletes where we try to think through faith formation within the, the experience of competitive athletics uh, that, that we put on every June as well. So those are you know kind of the core components. We try to think through education and formation through the context of sports from a Christian perspective and, and then always just connect with people who are doing similar work and pursuing similar questions. Thanks for tuning in to the Sport Faith Life podcast, a conversation at the intersection of sport and faith. Read the corresponding blog post and learn more about us at sportfaithlife.com. Listen to more of our podcasts on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Follow us on social media to stay up to date with everything sport, faith, life.